The following Marx Daily Apple articles were written by Marxism and are narrated by Brock Armstrong. Welcome to Marx Daily Apple Best of 2014, Volume 6, Gluten. Featuring, does gluten have any effect on non-celiacs? And, the dangers of going gluten-free. Does gluten have any effect on non-celiacs? The headlines are everywhere. Gluten sensitivity doesn't actually exist, and anyone who thinks they have it is a liar, delusional, dumb, or all three. The message isn't a new one, but the stories do point to a new study from a group of researchers who previously found that removing wheat from the diet improved symptoms in people with IBS. In the new paper, the researchers tested whether isolated gluten, rather than wheat, exacerbated IBS symptoms. It did not. The IBS patients in the latest study showed no reaction to isolated gluten, and the only dietary variable that increased their symptoms was wheat. This could suggest that at least for some people with IBS, gluten sensitivity may actually be a wheat sensitivity, triggered by the fermentable FODMAP fibers found in the grain. Folks are so eager to say, told you so, that they gloss over the important fact. Going gluten-free still worked. Sure, I guess some IBS patients can start doing lines of isolated gluten powder or whatever, but if the FODMAP mechanism holds, they're still not eating wheat. They're still gluten-free, or wheat-free, or whatever you want to call it, and they're still experiencing relief from debilitating symptoms. The why is certainly important. It's interesting. It provides jobs for researchers and fodders for online arguments. It can lead to effective treatments and pharmaceutical interventions, but it doesn't affect the people, here today, dealing with health issues who cannot wait around for consensus in the literature. They need results, and going gluten-free tends to work more often than not. And going gluten-free does not hurt, as long as you don't just replace gluten grains with gluten-free junk food. But today's post isn't really about that. People typically analyze gluten sensitivity through the prism of gastrointestinal distress. It's often the first symptom we notice. It's certainly the most obvious. If you don't have celiac, but eat some gluten and your stomach feels bubbly and the toilet becomes irresistible, you have non-celiac gluten sensitivity. If you can eat a pizza without diarrhea, bloating, constipation, or other inordinate amounts of gas, you probably don't. That's how I know I've eaten gluten. My gut tells me. But for many people, there are extra-intestinal peripheral symptoms. And these aren't just mass delusions. Legitimate research is discovering and beginning to unpack the connections between gluten, wheat, and a host of other disorders, even in the absence of celiac disease. These symptoms and disorders may still be mediated by the gut, but they're not always felt in the gut. Kind of how a tight muscle can affect other tissues along seemingly unrelated sections of the kinetic chain. Like an ankle dysfunction can cause knee pain, for example. The following are not ironclad, proven causal relationships. They describe correlations with plausible mechanisms, hypothesis still to be proven. I'm omitting any relationships purely based on anecdote. 
not to discount them, but to focus on the strongest candidates for conditions caused or exacerbated by gluten in non-celiacs. Fibromyalgia. The mysterious, painful condition known as fibromyalgia has long been connected with celiac disease and general gut disturbance. IBS is quite common in fibromyalgia patients, for example, and IBS patients with fibromyalgia often have celiac. But only recently has non-celiac gluten sensitivity also been linked to fibromyalgia. Researchers selected 20 patients with fibromyalgia who experienced remission upon switching to a gluten-free diet, with remission including one or more of the following improvements, reduction in pain, return to work, return to normal life, or the discontinuation of painkillers. Tests confirmed they did not have celiac, leading the authors to suggest that non-celiac gluten sensitivity may be an underlying case of fibromyalgia syndrome. Autism. Gluten-free, often casein-free, diets are popular with many patients of kids on the autism spectrum. But most physicians have taken a skeptical stance on the whole premise. That's to be expected. However, parents who report the strictest implementation of a gluten-free diet in their kids with autism report the largest improvements in the symptoms. Oh, that's just a large, admittedly well-documented and extremely verified compendium of anecdotes, you say. Recent research has shown that a subset of autistic kids show enhanced reactivity to gluten distinct from the response characteristic of celiac disease. You can certainly say that going gluten-free probably won't help every kid with autism, but it looks like a portion of them are going to benefit from its removal. Type 1 Diabetes In pregnant mice who are diabetic but not celiac, a maternal gluten-free diet maintained during breastfeeding up until weaning reduced both inflammation and type 1 diabetes in the offspring. Pancreatic regulatory T-cells, which suppress inflammation, and tight junction activity were both upregulated in the gluten-free offspring. This echoes other rodent studies stretching back to the 1990s. Okay, but those are mice. They're cute and mammalian and all, but what about human research? Most recently, a six-year-old with type 1 diabetes experienced remission upon adopting a gluten-free diet. 20 months later, he was still off insulin therapy. Schizophrenia For nearly 50 years, a large body of research has tentatively established links between schizophrenia and wheat consumption. A 1966 study found that as wheat and rye consumption increased following World War II, hospital admissions for schizophrenia also increased. Later that decade, the otherwise rare celiac disease was discovered to be oddly common among patients with schizophrenia. While early interventions saw some success at treating relapsed schizophrenia with grain-free diets, abnormal sensitivity to gluten isn't unreversible among patients, but there appears to be something there, and research continues to this day, with the research meta-analysis finding that certain markers of gluten sensitivity are elevated in schizophrenics compared to the controls, and different than in celiacs. Maternal gluten sensitivity is even related to the offspring's chance of developing schizophrenia. Depression. A recent case study found that a gluten-free diet led to remission of depression symptoms in a patient with non-celiac gluten sensitivity. 
A placebo-controlled trial from this year found that while isolated gluten added to a gluten-free diet did not cause GI distress, just like the study described in the introduction, it did increase symptoms of depression in a group of patients with self-reported non-celiac gluten sensitivity. Ataxia. Not as well known as some other conditions mentioned, ataxia is a neurological disorder characterized by an inability to control gait, balance, and hand-eye coordination. It's incredibly serious, and multiple reports link it to gluten sensitivity. They even call a subset of it gluten ataxia, which is not accompanied by celiac-related enteropathy. A recent trial in patients with ataxia found that a gluten-free diet significantly improved symptoms, irrespective of GI symptoms. Clearly, looking at the gut for evidence of non-celiac gluten sensitivity is not enough. And yes, it may very well turn out that it's something else in the wheat causing the issues in these conditions too, but does that change the effective therapy? A gluten-free, wheat-free diet? No, it still works. If any of these conditions affect you or someone close to you, a gluten-free diet may be worth trying. It's free, after all. And for all of you with personal experience with any of these conditions, has going primal or gluten-free helped at all? I'm really curious to hear. Head over to MarksDailyApple.com and let me know. Many health experts believe that gut bacteria represents the next breakthrough in optimizing health and immune function. When you nourish healthy intestinal flora with primal eating habits and the high-potency probiotics of primal flora, you protect yourself from the everyday illnesses and compromised digestion that are common in stressful modern life. The unique strains of probiotics and primal flora help you improve digestion and regularity, bolster immune function, and can even assist you with weight loss by optimizing fat metabolism. One daily capsule is all it takes to ensure your body is thriving with billions of healthy gut bacteria so that you can enjoy optimal health 24-7. Order Primal Flora today at PrimalBlueprint.com to take advantage of our risk-free trial. The Dangers of Going Gluten-Free In just about every article discussing the growing popularity of gluten-free diets, an expert or two appears three-quarters of the way down warning about the dangers of attempting a gluten-free diet without medical supervision. The first reaction, from people like you and me who have experienced the real benefits of giving up gluten-containing foods, is a strong eye roll. This again, you think? Next, they're going to say that refined sugar is an important food group and I need a high-carb diet for brain function or something similarly inane. But hey, these are medical experts with acronyms after their names. Maybe we should listen to what they're saying and investigate their justifications for saying it. What dangers or risks are they actually referring to? Are they real dangers that we should heed? Or are we in the clear? There appear to be three primary arguments against widespread adoption of gluten-free diets. Let's examine the evidence for and against each. Gluten-free diets put you at risk of vitamin and mineral deficiencies. Is wheat actually nutritious? Wheat flour must, by law, be fortified with calcium, iron, and the B vitamins folic acid, thiamine, niacin, and riboflavin. Flours commonly used in gluten-free products, such as rice flour, potato flour, cornmeal, and tapioca, are not fortified with nutrients. 
Those are all important nutrients that everyone needs to be healthy. And so by replacing wheat with the gluten-free products made from flowers without those nutrient fortification stipulations, a newly gluten-free individual can suddenly find himself embroiled in a nutrient-sparse diet. This is a problem, to be sure. But it's not about the lack of gluten. It's about the lack of fortification. A recent study attempting to address this question reveals a few of the nutrients we're supposedly missing from our grain-free diets. Whole grains are a little better than refined grains, it turns out. After all, the nutrient fortification program is designed to replace some of what the refinement process eliminates. So what exactly are we missing out on by eliminating gluten from our diet? Whole wheat, which includes bran and germ, beats out other common starch staples in many nutrients. Check out the Wikipedia, I know, page for wheat, which compares the nutrient values in a handy table. Looks impressive, right? But wheat is not the only way to get those nutrients. And it's certainly not the best way. To wit, manganese, also found in nuts, pineapple, and bivalves like mussels and clams. Betaein, the second richest source after wheat germ is spinach. Folate. Leafy greens, pastured egg yolks, and animal livers, especially chicken, are very high in folate. So too is kefir, if you go for that kind of thing. Copper. Ruminant liver once a week gets you all the copper you need. Alternatively, eat dark chocolate and oysters. Zinc. Red meat and oysters. Selenium, Brazil nuts, just one will do. Kidneys, pastured eggs, wild salmon. In the conclusion of that first study, the authors lament the lack of high nutritional and tasty cereals that are naturally gluten-free with which to construct suitable replacement junk food for gluten-free dieters. I can think of a few worthy replacements but they don't involve grains. There's no need for wheat at all, provided you don't just eat and rely on gluten-free baked goods. Another study confirms this, suggesting that people on a gluten-free diet should increase their intake of fruits and vegetables. This will replace all the micronutrients wheat can offer us, plus the phytochemicals and antioxidants that wheat by and large cannot. The takeaway is, Wheat is an attractive and important source of micronutrients for those folks who don't eat green vegetables, red meat, nuts, bivalves, and liver. But for those of us who relish those foods and the many other nutrients they provide, wheat offers nothing special. Try not to live on lean steak and green beans or anything crazy like that. Just eat from the incredibly varied primal table, including the weird stuff every now and then, and you won't miss the meager offerings of wheat. Gluten-free diets decrease levels of good gut bacteria and increase levels of bad gut bacteria. A while back, this study made the rounds. Anyone who wanted to ridicule people on the elective gluten-free diets could now do it with a study under their belt. Never mind the fact that they rarely actually read the full study. Never mind the fact that they didn't understand the significance of the shift in gut microbiota composition. They just knew that it was bad that it was proof we gluten abstainers were foolish and wrong. But the actual study paints a slightly different picture. Actually, a phrase embedded in the quote in the abstract says it all. Healthy gut bacteria decreased and unhealthy bacteria increased parallel to reductions in the intake of polysaccharides after following a gluten-free diet. 
The gluten-free diet wasn't hard on the subject's gut bacteria because gluten was absent. It was hard on their guts because it was poor in fermentable substrate for the gut bacteria to consume. They replaced whole wheat-based foods with refined grains and starches that happened to be gluten-free. Whole wheat is a decent source of prebiotic fiber, if nothing else, and that fiber feeds the bacteria. Rice flour, potato flour and starch, tapioca flour, cornmeal, and most other gluten-free flours or starches used in gluten-free packaged foods are poor sources of prebiotic fiber. Starved of food, the beneficial gut bacteria get crowded out by the pathogenic bacteria. If you look at the study detailing the RS content of various foods, you'll see that grains are the top source of resistant starch in the diets of most industrialized nations. They're not incredible sources, they're not dense sources, but they're all most people have. Your average American isn't making green banana smoothies, eating cooked and cooled potatoes, or stirring raw potato starch into sparkling water. They're chowing down on wheat and other cereal grains. The takeaway is, if you're going gluten-free, you have to replace the fermentable fiber in whole grains with the fermentable fibers of resistant starches in fruits, vegetables, green bananas, plantains, cooked and cooled potatoes, and raw potato starch. This will surpass and improve upon the modest amounts of said fibers and resistant starches found in wheat and other gluten grains. Most of you already know this, the subject has received a lot of attention on this blog for years, but it's important to pass this on to others who may not. Gluten-free diets may morph into eating disorders. This is an interesting claim, perhaps the most relevant to the primal crowd. Everyone who takes a keen interest in how specific foods affect their health, both long-term and short-term, runs the risk of lapsing into paralysis by over-analysis. I'm talking about being deathly afraid of a little canola oil. I hate it, but come on. Worrying about the poofa content of that rotisserie chicken so much that you just go hungry. About to dig into some BPA-free sardines until you start wondering just what they replaced the BPA with. Feeling like having some ice cream as a treat, but you end up standing in the aisle with the freezer door open, scouring PubMed on your smartphone for any adverse side effects of the stabilizer used in the salted caramel for so long that they all melt and you go home empty-handed. Taking a wide berth around the bakery counter in the Whole Foods to avoid breathing in any airborne gluten particles. You know, I get all that. Given the choice, I'd have my food cooked in butter or olive oil every time. I'd only consume pastured, bug-eating chickens and their eggs. I wouldn't eat foods packaged in plastic, would have my butcher pack my meat up in glass Tupperware rather than wrap it in plastic, and I avoid gluten as a general rule, but I don't base my life around it. I don't let those preferences predominate and overshadow everything else. Because that's a perfect world. And you can't ever get that. It doesn't exist. You can't be perfect. Being perfect is imperfect even. It takes too much work and too much stress. Take it from me, a guy who, despite being sensitive to the effects of gluten, will have a polite bite or two of cake if someone made it for me and really put a lot of care into it. As long as you're not eating it regularly, as long as you're just nibbling every once in a while, and as long as you're not celiac or highly sensitive to gluten, you will be okay. 
I've gotten to the point where those nibbles and those polite bites don't bother my gut. Giving up alcohol has certainly helped with that, as has resistant starch. But a full-on slice of cake or a big hunk of bread absolutely will. Find your tolerance point and hover there. Don't pass it. Don't worry too much if you stay below. It's important to distinguish between preference and fear. I prefer not to eat grains. I don't fear them. I prefer not to eat a high-carb diet. But I don't fear carbs or think them evil. I prefer to avoid gluten. And I feel better when I maintain that. But I don't fear gluten. The takeaway is if you're not celiac or gluten-sensitive, don't freak out if a stray breadcrumb lands on your plate or the sushi place is out of tamari sauce. You're probably going to be just fine. You consume food. Food isn't supposed to consume you. Don't let it. What's the bottom line? Provided you have a reasonable head on your shoulders, you shouldn't require medical supervision to successfully and safely adopt a gluten-free diet. A proper primal way of eating that includes leafy greens, fermentable fiber, resistant starch, the occasional slab of liver, seafood, and plenty of other nutrient-dense plants and animals will support your gut health, provide sufficient micronutrition, and promote a healthy relationship with food. The dangers of going gluten-free are worth noting and probably relevant for your average consumer scrambling for room on the bandwagon, but... I think we're in the clear. What are some other dangers of going gluten-free? Did I miss anything? Head over to MarksDailyApple.com and let me know. Thanks for listening, everybody. Safeguard your health with the most comprehensive all-in-one nutritional supplement on the planet. Primal Nutrition's Damage Control Master Formula. Forget mixing and matching with multiple bottles of individual agents. Now you can just take a single packet of the most potent and optimally balanced multivitamin, multimineral, antioxidant formula available on the market. You'll enjoy complete immune system, cardiovascular, memory, nerve, bone, liver, and anti-stress support, and much more. With 51 research-proven ingredients, Damage Control Master Formula helps you combat oxidative damage in every cell and every system in your body and shore up any dietary shortcomings with complete protection. Order Damage Control Master Formula today at PrimalBlueprint.com and check out the incredible free shipping offer for our convenient and custom-designed auto-ship program.